Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture, but it's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. And Jesus grew up in that kind of world, under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy, anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over. It's turned into a battleground. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on me and on all of us who are gathered here. Lord, take my words and make them yours. Take all of our thoughts and make them yours. And take our hearts and set them on fire for you. Father, we love you. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we talk about generosity and stewardship, we're going to go right back to the very beginning in Genesis, in chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So the very first thing God tells to the humans he's just made is that they can be fruitful and they can multiply and they can fill all the earth because he has provided an abundance of food and resources for them. They will lack for nothing because God's creation can and will 
provide for all of their needs. The incredible generosity of God is reflected in his creation. All the world around us is an expression of God's love and generosity. And God declares without exception that everything he has made is good. And then he gives us the stewardship over all of it. And so anytime we talk about stewardship, we do a disservice to the word of God if we limit the conversation to how much are you going to give to the church next year, right? That's like going to a five-star steakhouse, ordering the chicken, and then leaving a bad review when the chicken is dry, right? Like you, you didn't try the thing they're actually good at, and now you're going to complain about it. You're not doing service to what they actually do. Stewardship is not just about what you give to the church. Stewardship is about so much more. And ultimately, it's about recognizing the, the very difficult-to-accept reality that we own nothing. Everything belongs to God. And he's given us this measure of authority over his creation. We are his representatives here on earth. We're entrusted with the care of God's creation, every single part of it but all with the understanding that all of it belongs to God, and God calls all of it good except, obviously, for mosquitoes, which are the work of Satan. But Jesus even makes it a point in a number of his parables to tell people that one day you're going to have to give an accounting to God of how you used everything he gave you here on earth. You'll have to stand before God and explain that. Because you are stewards. And the steward's job is to take care of what the master gives you to his satisfaction. We don't get to keep anything. Everything that we acquire in this life, all of our possessions, all of our money, we will lose when we die. It will go to someone else, right? Our, Our spouses, our children, our grandchildren, possibly even complete strangers. It's not ours forever. Even now, I live in a house that was lived in by at least two other families before mine, and I have no idea how many more will live in it after my family has moved on. I drive a car that someone else drove first. Someone else is probably going to drive it after me. Every dollar bill I have ever touched was touched by someone else first and someone else after me. And the incredible thing is that even though nothing that we have is truly ours, God shares everything with us anyway. He gives it all to us. God puts us in the middle of his creation and says, here, you can make use of of all of this, except the one tree, right? But we'll go into that another time. It doesn't belong to us. But God, in his generosity, will ensure that we do not go without And so we have to understand our role as stewards, not owners, so that we can begin to understand God's incredible generosity. Especially when you begin to think of the fact that most of the time we don't do a very good job. Right? I think on the whole, most of us would recognize we have not been collectively very good stewards. We've made all kinds of mistakes. We've misused many of God's gifts. And he hasn't, like, stepped in to take it all away from us, right? I mean, I do that with my own children all the time. She's, I give her something, she misuses it, I take it back. Because you can't write with marker on the walls, right? 
She can. <laughs> she can. She shouldn't. And I don't want her to, so we take the marker away, right? But the human race has been collectively riding with marker on God's walls for a long time, and he doesn't step in to snatch the marker away. <laughs> His generosity will always outpace our own. His patience with us will always outpace our own. But we only begin to understand it when we begin to recognize that none of this is truly ours forever. We have it for this fleeting moment. Everything we have that's good, we have this fleeting moment, but it's all going to go back to God. And that extends not just to our material possessions, but folks, it even includes our family and our friends as well. They don't belong to us. Our children don't belong to us forever. They're God's. We're stewards of our families. This church, we're stewards of it. This building, we're stewards of it. So now we get to skip ahead a little bit into the book of Exodus. Because God takes pains to teach his people what it means not just to be stewards, but to learn to rely on him as part of their stewardship. And so in Exodus 16, verse 16, this is what the Lord has commanded. This is after the manna is beginning to appear, by the way. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered, some more and some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever had gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever had gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat, and Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses, and some of them left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. The manna in the wilderness is this incredible object lesson in trusting in God to provide. Because it didn't matter how much he gathered. Everyone had exactly enough food to sustain them for one day. No more, no less. And there was no way around it. There was no way to store extra in case of emergency, right? Because that's what they try, right? They try a loophole. Well, if we can't actually gather more, if, it, if the extra we gather just disappears, we'll save some. We'll eat less today, so we'll have more tomorrow. And it doesn't work. God closes the loophole, right? Because we are always looking for a loophole. There's no way around it. No matter how hard they tried to gather more than they needed, it did not work because God wanted them to understand at a visceral level that their entire existence depended on him. They're out in the desert. Can't grow food. They keep having to have Moses bring water out of rocks so they can drink. Now they can't even store extra food. They have to learn that their whole existence depends on God and that they can trust him to provide for all their needs. And so he prevents them from doing anything that will enable them to think they can rely on themselves and on their own abilities. 
We don't have that kind of direct experience, which means we really better have paid close attention to this story in Scripture. God has already taught the object lesson. It's up to us to remember it. For 40 years, 40 years, the Israelites had to rely on God to provide for their needs every single day. For 40 years, they had to trust that when they woke up in the morning, the manna would be there because they couldn't save any. Imagine having that kind of trust in God's provision. And here's the kicker. There were children who grew up in the wilderness living like this, learning from day one that God will provide for them every day, that they don't need to scrimp and save extra. God will take care of them, that every day the manna will be there, and they get into the promised land, and it's like almost immediately they forget all of those lessons that they learned. We see this all throughout the Old Testament. People who see these incredible miracles that God is working forget like two days later what God just did. We like to tell ourselves, man, if we just had that kind of experience, faith would be so easy. But it turns out those kinds of experiences don't actually help you that much. They teach the lesson, but we are so good at forgetting the lesson. And you and I, we are so incredibly fortunate that we don't have to worry about where our next meal is coming from. And we can very easily fool ourselves into thinking that we are able to provide for our own needs. But we can't. Because we live in God's creation and everything that exists belongs to him. Everything we have is a gift from him, whether we recognize it or not. It's all his. Whatever we have, we have because he's given it to us. And that implies, by the way, that if he wanted, he could take it away. He'd be within his rights. And because everything that we have is a gift from God, God gets to tell us how we use what we've been given. And so here in Exodus 22, I I could spend months going over all the ways God tells us how to use the things he's given us, right? Um, I think I actually have done that before. Maybe with you, who knows? We're going to pull up one little example, and the reason we're going to do this one is because it's very countercultural. But in Exodus 22, verses 25 through 27, just a little short bit here. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not extract interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. One of, one of the, the central teachings of the Old Testament is that if we have more, it's because God expects us to use what he's given to bless others. And so this is a specific command that says, if you lend money to someone, you can't charge them interest. Now, what will, what will happen in later years is that they will say, well, you know, this is true for, for like our fellow Jews, but we can charge interest to everyone else. 
which will end up getting them in a lot of trouble in the Middle Ages, but that's a different story. You can't charge them interest, right? If you take their coat to secure the debt, you can't keep it past the time when the sun sets and the chill sets in, which means there's really not much point in taking it in the first place, right? It also means you can't profit from lending money because you can't charge interest. It's this completely different approach than what the world takes. And, and imagine what that would do to our national economy now if we changed the rules so that money lenders couldn't charge interest, right? We live in a world where not just our economy, but the global economy is based largely on charging interest. But here, here, the priority is not profit. It's not the economy. The priority is making sure that God's people are living as vessels for God's generosity above all else. Now, I got to point out, this is an incredibly generous church. You all are ahead of the curve. I, I have seen you express this remarkable generosity time and time again. It's one of the reasons I feel very privileged to be your pastor. So everything I'm saying today is, in a sense, it's more of a reminder than like an admonition, right? You, you all know this stuff, and you live it out in so many ways, and it's incredible to see. It's just that a core part of stewardship is recognizing that no matter how long we have been a Christian, no matter how much we know this stuff, there is a human impulse to take care of ourselves first. To make sure our needs are met, even if that might come at the expense of others. To give with strings attached. To protect our interests first and to only practice generosity from a position of safety and security. That's not how Jesus works. And it's certainly not what he taught in the Gospels, and it's not what the Old Testament teaches either. The Bible as a whole teaches us not just that we need to rely on God, but it's that in that moment when we truly rely on him, when we, when we trust in him to meet all of our needs, and when we are willing to step out into uncertainty, to be generous when we don't feel like we can be, that's the moment we find ourselves blessed with abundance. And this is not the prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that if you just pray hard enough, God will give you all the things you want. Or if you just do all the right things, God will make you rich. It doesn't work like that. But we are saying that if you truly rely on God, and, and reliance on God is something that very often requires great personal sacrifice. We find that he provides for all our needs. And very often we find that our needs are maybe not what we thought they were. What we do find is that God is more generous with us than we could ever imagine. In a moment, we'll celebrate Holy Communion. And in the Methodist Church, we believe that this is not just something we do to remember God's incredible saving act on the cross, but that somehow, someway, God's grace is poured out to us in abundance when we take communion. This right here is an example of God's incredible generosity. Grace that we do not deserve. Being poured out, not because we've earned it, not because we've done anything special to obtain it, only because we came to the altar with open hands.
Stewardship begins here. It begins with recognizing the generosity of God. Not just with what he's provided us in the material world, but with the grace that he pours out to us. Grace we do not deserve and grace we could never earn. This is God's generosity. Thanks be to God.